Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. Absolute pleasure today to have one of my superstar clients, uh, Becky, on the podcast. So thank you very much for coming on today. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, so obviously, I've said to you numerous times already, obviously, we met uh, last weekend in person for the first time, which was, was an awesome experience. Uh, you found out I'm a real person, not just someone who floats around on the internet taking photos, which... I was worried, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was an amusing co- uh, comment. It did make me laugh at the time. Uh, a lot of people do think that, like, I'm not a real person. I'm the same as everyone else. So, yeah, I do, do exist. I'm not some uh, catfish on the internet. Um, <laughs> so, like, your story is very, very inspiring. Like, for me personally, Becky, obviously, you came to me... Um, just as obviously you finished your sort of cancer treatment, um, which yeah. like obviously you were at the stage then, which it's like so many people have an excuse of why they don't want to get in shape or why they don't want to change your life. And like respectively, you were probably in the position where like you could have, you had every excuse under the sun to not. I had every excuse. <laughs> I did. And then some. And, but like what I love is like the positivity you have as you as an individual and how you took control of the situation. So maybe if I pass it over to you and you give a little bit brief run through of like who you are, what you do, like an interesting fact about you as well, which I think is quite cool. Like the, the, respectively, I think your job is probably one of the most negative jobs you could have, but you're incredibly positive. <laughs> I mean, I think my job is really cool. I mean, I really enjoy my job. I can't make it. Um, I don't think I make it sound in a way that's that attractive to a lot of people, but um, uh, effectively, I guess I'm so, I'm caught somewhere between a negotiator um, and, a, and a lawyer, an ex-lawyer. But now I um, work on uh, um, civil construction contracts, effectively, and I run a team of people uh, negotiating um, with sort of London Underground and TfL and different public entities to resolve matters arising under contracts and in, in, in uh, disputes. So I spend a lot of my time sort of trying to negotiate people away from a cliff edge and try to calm things down and come to sort of win-win situations over contracts. But it's normally when they are already in quite a bad state and they are in a lot of dispute and there's a lot of anger and confrontation and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I, yeah, and I think I do, I try to always approach it with positivity. I think occasionally um, I don't, but I think for the most part I do. Uh, and I think it always, it always helps you more, to be honest. So I think I'm, I'm, I found that the outcomes are better when you do that. No, I 100% agree. 100% agree. And obviously um, from there, obviously you have such a positive outlook on life in general. And obviously you, you've had, uh, obviously the challenges you've had earlier on in the year, which was yours. Yeah we've come through a long way from there so maybe if we talk a little bit about um where you what happened yeah what happened, <laughs> what happened? yeah well it's interesting I mean even before the cancer I wasn't like the most medically lucky person <laughs> on the face of the earth so most of my latter 20s I actually spent having my cervical spine reconstructed I had um early onset um, and very advanced spinal arthritis in my cervical spine from my C3 to C7. So my, you know, C5, 7 is fused and my C3 to 5 is mainly replacement and titanium carbon fiber and all the rest of it. Uh, so I spent a long period sort of in recovery from that. 
Um, and then all of that had settled down, went on to have uh, my first child with my partner. And then, yeah, when she was seven months old, uh, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I think, um, you know, it is a really shocking moment. I, at times, 36 years old. Um, as I said, you know, I had a seven month old. So you sort of think that everything in your life is in a stage really of sort of regeneration and positivity and moving forward. It's all about life, to be honest. You're at a stage where everything's about life and living. And then suddenly somebody comes over to you and actually brings almost like a kind of the, the prospect of death into your life. And in those, those early few weeks, you don't really know um, which way that's going to go because you don't really know the extent of everything. Um, when I did, it was, it was really good news because I, in fact, was only stage one and was eminently treatable and treatable to cure. So not even just remission, but to be cancer-free. And um, so I started the process of um, surgeries, uh, intravenous chemotherapy, and then an extended period of radiotherapy because of my age. Uh, but funnily enough, well, I say funnily enough, it's not really that funny, but actually right in the end of my chemotherapy, the last couple of weeks, because I was carried on exercising, I actually managed to blow out my knee in an old uh, injury I had from four years previously where I had an ACL reconstruction. Um, and between my chemotherapy and my radiotherapy, the teams managed to squeeze in. And when I contacted you, Charlie, <laughs> I would say I was, yeah, I was, I actually, I was a month to finishing chemotherapy. I hadn't finished yet. I knew I needed knee surgery. I was a little bit out from radiotherapy. And then we agreed on a start date that I think was three weeks after my knee surgery. Yeah, probably a week or so after my radiotherapy had finished and about five weeks after my chemotherapy had finished. So I, I wouldn't say I was a broken woman, but I definitely wouldn't say I was... It's your health at the time. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I was at a medical low point, let's say. <laughs> um, but I think for me, it was, it was really interesting because I'd considered a lot of the different things that I could do and I'd taken advice from medical professionals. Um, and it seemed to me a really obvious choice, actually, because where I was, both physically and emotionally, uh, was weak. You know, I was feeling weak and uh, chemo really, it strips you, like it... it, it it, it attacks every single part of you from losing your hair to um, losing, you know, I'm not trying to gross out anyone listening to this, but you, you know, you lose all the membranes around your gums and your eyeballs. And it, I mean, it's really, you know, it's a uniquely difficult experience. And, um, you know, your fingernails often fall off and your hand, all your skin dries out and everything, you know, so you end up like a kind of shriveled prune with no hair. And, um, uh, to me, I just needed, I needed to do something to, to feel like I was starting to get control back because I just completely lost control. And going from somebody who was fit and very active and was in a gym a lot and was always doing something to someone who was sedentary, you know, it was sometimes you'd have days where it's hard to move for, from the fatigue. Um, it just felt like I needed to do something radical. And I, I, it wasn't about, you know, maybe just start going for walks. I felt like, well, just you know, like stuff that. I was like, I don't want to just go for walks. I want to do something where I actually start to feel stronger again. And like a person who, for want of a cliche, has actually started fighting back. So that's what I love so much about like this in your attitude is like you took control of the situation and like took the ball by the horns and like dealt with it, if that made sense, where... 
as like we've discussed obviously before, a lot of the advice is normally like, oh, just relax, rest, don't do anything. Yeah. Which is almost yeah. the worst thing mentally because you just stew and you can't do anything. But this is the thing. And actually rest is great. Rest is great. And, and also I don't begrudge anyone going through those set of circumstances. Oh, the thing that works for them is to rest, by the way. Like it's about the individual and what, what works for you. Um, but for me, recovery wasn't about resting. Um, neither physically or psychologically, like I felt I'd rested enough. Um, you know, I felt like I'd been in a kind of homeostasis, this sort of like freezing point where just my life had just been put on pause. And that was not the way I wanted to feel for a minute longer. Um, and I remember because I contacted you and I always think it's really, it's almost awkward to write to people where you kind of go, you're sort of like, hi, uh, really interested in doing your program. Um, you know, I have a concept of probably what your average client is, although you've put me rec- straight in the record on that. So yeah. I take that back res- unreservedly now. So I think I the way I described it was, I think uh, <clears throat> a lot of people think my demographic is uh, like lads who want to go to IB, basically go to IB and get in shape for that. I can't yes. remember how I put it, but it was. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think that's kind of what I thought. So I sort of went, you know, I get a concept of what I think your average client is. Not sure I tick the box, um, but I would be really interested in having a go at your program. And I don't think I'm probably going to go at the fastest pace in the world because, you know, my body's been in quite a lot of shock. And actually, I, I can't shock it again. I can start making it do something, but I can't do something too dramatic. Um, so what do you think about that? And, um, you know, I think one of the really nice things was, uh, well, you didn't really treat me like a sick person, to be honest. <laughs> I, didn't get anything, I didn't get anything back from you that was a bit like, oh, I don't know, uh, this sounds a bit sketchy, you sound a bit ill. I have nothing but respect for anyone. Like, the worst thing I think you should ever tell anyone is that you can't do something. Yeah. Like, well, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, fuck you, I'll prove you wrong. Like, watch this. Which, like, in some respects, you should tell people they can't do something to motivate them, but you should never tell someone they can't do something. And if they feel capable of doing something, then by all means, like, anyone who's got anything or going through something similar or feel you're in a position where you maybe shouldn't be pushing yourself, then if you think you can do it, do it. Yeah, that's the thing. And actually, my when I, I remember when I emailed you, I thought, well, you know, there are some people in fitness and that industry where they might sort of see my case and go, well, actually, I think I need this approval and I need this and I need that backup. And I and don't get me wrong, I could have got all of those things, but I didn't really want the hassle of having to go through a load of rigmarole to do it. I was just kind of a woman saying, look, I know my limits and I know my boundaries and I know better than anyone the circumstances that before me right now. Um, and I'm not silly, so I won't do anything silly, but give me give me the tools that I need to be able to go and start turning this around so that I could get to Christmas, not just feeling like a sort of melted jelly um, that used to be a fairly fit human. <laughs> now was just kind of slowly turning into a pile of sludge. And, um, and you know, that's what I was reaching out and asking for. And, and you know, that's what you gave me. And, um, you know, through the process, you know, I think we had a good understanding. You know, you had an understanding of the fact that you were going to get emails from me going, and you did, <laughs> saying, I have norovirus, 
I have a mouth infection. I now have an ulcerated throat. I now have some sort of weird flu. Um, you know, and I said to you at the beginning, I'm massively immunocompromised. So this is going to happen. There's no two ways about it. Because I'm going into a gym, which is some of the pu- most putrid environment. <laughs> don't, don't, don't remind me. And that's a note. <laughs> Please so, wash your hands after training straight away. Well, do you know what? I think I, I actually think I look in the gym. I think I look like I've got OCD because I carry around both anti-back and antibacterial wipes. It's pretty hardcore, like and that. I wipe all of the gym equipment. I wipe all the handles, and like if I use a kettlebell, I'm <laughs> wiping it. I think the people in the gym definitely think I've got OCD. Um, they don't realise I actually have cancer. So actually, anyone out there, if you see anyone in a gym wiping down equipment, they might just have a medical reason to be doing it. They might not actually be crazy. Or they're trying to get job in a gym. Or, oh, yeah. Or <laughs> 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 that, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, and I think it just, it just was really good for me. And I think it, it really came at the right time. And it, I did, the first couple of weeks, I thought, you know, have I jumped into this too quickly? But actually, what I was really happy about was just how quickly um, I just saw myself getting stronger. Um, and it was so quick. Like, it was, at those first four weeks, I, I was really astounded, actually, because from week one... Uh, there were exercises that I was doing and I, it ju- I just felt all over the place. Like I was like, oh my God, what the hell has happened to me? But every time I had that thought of, of what the hell has happened to me, I had the same thought of, but how sweet is it going to feel when it doesn't happen anymore? So just ignore today and just, just keep doing it. That, that's um, what um, people are too, <laughs> too short-minded respectively to think sometimes. They're too worried about how they feel in the moment rather than how they could feel in three months' time. Or like how you feel now, probably looking back on the, the, the scenario and how far you've come. Because I look back at your progress photos with great pride and how far you've come, like not just physically, but like when we've obviously come discussions we've had recently in terms of like mentally, how much that's helped you along the way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it has. And also just for me personally, which might be uh, probably uh, different for a lot of people. Uh, so my work wasn't really prepared to sign me off to go back to work. Um, I'm in a high stress job and we have an independent body that decides if you're fit to work. Um, They're really cautious. It's sort of an occupational health organization. And they kept saying to me, no, you're not going back till January. So I also had a bit of a well, what the hell am I going to do with this time? (laughs) What am I actually going to do? Because I'm not going to rest. We all know I'm not going to rest. So either I'm going to do some sort of massive renovation job, but that's not really going to make me feel any better, um, or I've got to do something with myself. And so to me, that seemed like a really obvious choice. You know, you've got the time, you've got the resource, you've got a plan. So this is the perfect period of time to kick that off, to start doing it. Um, and that did work really well. And I have to say, like, I looked at those first, um, the first pictures. Yeah, and they are horrifying, actually. But, like, when I look at how quick... The, the thing that was amazing to me is how quickly in that first six weeks things turned around. Because, actually, if you look at the, the photos from, like, week six to week one, it's quite staggering. Oh, it's massive. Like, it's massive. That stomach is just... I mean, it's not, it's not flat now, but it was, it was staggeringly pot-bellied <laughs> at the beginning. And um, the, the speed that that kind of improved just doing, you know, doing the diet. And, I, and, you know, I'll be very honest about it, and I said the same to you, I wasn't doing the diet perfectly because I still had, um, I still had random bouts of nausea, 
and bloating and, and things that came from having done the chemo. And so it, if you have days, you know, where you're feeling really nauseated, you, you can't always stick to a really strict diet. And sometimes, you, you know, you just have to eat a piece of toast or something that settles your stomach a bit more. And, that, and that's so, what I said to you at the time. A lot of the time it's like, yeah. there's a few times we've had to pull back and put on the brakes a bit. And I've said to you, look, just take a few days, just rest, because that's really all that we want is you to be refreshed and feeling good yeah. all the time. And there's no point battering yourself into the ground. You just get worse and worse and worse. And it's all about yeah. the individual and how you feel. Yeah. The th- I mean, the thing I found really good was that um, you, you could sort of sensibly tailor. So, for example, when I had the um, fairly frequent um, outbreaks of all the mouth ulcers, which is a hang-up from the chemotherapy because it's while the, your gum membranes are, like, recovering. So when... Um, all of those were happening, again, you, you end up quite selective because you can only really eat food that you can tolerate chewing. <laughs> um, but then I would kind of say, okay, like that's really uncomfortable. But actually, if I've come off the diet a little bit, um, how can I compensate that? So I would try to do something like up the cardio a bit as well. So keep doing all of the gym stuff, but then make sure I'm tagging on some extra cardio any day. So if, if I am going a bit over on you know something that I'm in some way I'm managing to balance it out so you know rather than going right I'm pissed off this is annoying and it's frustrating can I rather say okay but what can I do like what what am I capable of doing now actually one thing I say to my um my partner a lot um is if, if you think about it like you as a person, you have lots of days in life for physical or psychological reasons. You're only really able to give X percent that might not seem like it's a hundred. So, you know, if your stomach goes bad, or you're, you know, or maybe, you know, you've had a horrible breakup and you're just feeling emotionally awful or something like that, you actually can only give on that day like 30% and 40%. But actually, if you're giving... 30 or 40% and all you have to give on that day is you're just you're just not doing it as much as your capability might be on a different day but if you make up and on that day that you can give your absolute max you do give it then actually you're always doing the best that you can I think that's the context of that I think a lot like you obviously have this which is as a skill to take your own feedback into account and knowing how hard you can push yourself. And I think a lot of people don't have that ability to sometimes push themselves to their limits because they haven't necessarily had to fight a challenge like you've had to fight to push it, like which has probably pushed you mentally and physically so hard. Whereas now, like now you're past this, anything's easy. Like if you're in remission of cancer, like the last first few weeks after it, getting back into training, eating healthy, it's not going to be like an easy thing to do. Whereas we're now quite a long way out of that like life's good life's a lot lot easier now so there's, there's not really any complaints you know it's really true and i'm going to i'm going to correct you on one thing charlie and that's okay, i'm not i'm not in remission from cancer i'm in fact cured from cancer cured, which is slightly different which is slightly mm-hmm. different so i have no evidence of cancer whatsoever which is actually really cool um, but i um, no and i agree that i think there's definitely a life skill to doing that but it's it, you know it's one of the reasons interestingly that i always think um, it's always good to understand people's personal circumstances to also quantify that about how they manage things in life because um, it's a privilege to be able to deal with things. 
Like yeah. um, it, it's a mental privilege in terms of the capacity that you have and that you're given through the support that you've had through your life. And then actually it's a privilege also from the circumstances that you have maybe around an event. So, you know, for example, I don't have any great financial worries and I have a job and I have a really nice family and I have things like that. So I don't have great worries in that. I've also met women in um, a worse situation than me in terms of their cancer when they were diagnosed, uh, who were also a single parent to three children under five and self-employed. Like, you know, I actually find it inspirational that women like that get up in the morning and shower. Like, because that is a mental load that, you know, is just kind of inconceivable. So I think, um, you know, I think, I should deal with it well, actually. <laughs> I think I, I don't think it's an obligation, but I kind of do. I think, I think if you have the ability to try and deal with something well, then you should try and deal with it well <laughs> because you can. Yeah, and it's you taking ownership for being able to do that, though, and that's a massive achievement for you to do that, though, because as you said, not everyone can do that, and too many people will. I don't know if give up is the right word, but try and fob off or come up with excuses of why they can't deal with it and you you just as I said to you you took the bull by the horns dealt with the whole situation and uh it's truly incredible which I'm sure everyone listening to this would will agree do you know that I like I um I find that thank you that's really that's honestly a really really flattering thing to say and I anytime that uh, I guess people look at my journey and, and reflect on it in that way, I do actually find it really deeply and uniquely touching so I, I do appreciate that um I think that doing your program I think was just it was a really it was a really great like it just was absolutely at the right time and it was really really good for me uh, in in ways that sometimes I find hard to even explain I think um sure it was physically good for me no doubt at all um and I can talk loads about you know why it's great if you've had a diagnosis like mine to do exercise I'm sure we'll come on to that um but I just think for me personally being able to have something to focus on to see to see improvement to see progression um, progression yeah to see something other than you know what I've been doing because to be honest even the cancer aside if you bear in mind as I said you know I was diagnosed when my daughter was seven months seven months old so my previous year and a half to that had been new mothering um, and pregnancy. I mean, I've got to tell you, neither of those look that great on that many people. <laughs> you, <laughs> you occasionally meet a woman that looks great throughout all of that. And I have now but respect. <laughs> um, I wasn't one of them, <laughs> like at all. So I think you're, you're, you're sort of still recovering that situation <laughs> as well. Um, and then this kind of just tagged on to the end of it. So it was a bit like the final nail in my physical coffin, <laughs> to tell you the truth. So um, I think, yeah, finding this kind of program was great. The, interestingly, when I spoke to sort of my, my team, so my oncology team, which had my oncologist and my surgeon and all this um, within it, I found a really interesting sort of day and night to the advice they gave. So when I got diagnosed and when I was going through treatment, most of the upfront advice was, you know, just look after yourself, be kind to yourself, do what you can do, but don't, you know, don't overdo it and don't push it, but know your limits. It was all that kind of like, it was all very, be very careful was the sort of advice. Um, now actually through my chemotherapy, I exercised sort of, four or five times a week. I didn't do any weights because you can't really. Um, mainly it's a technical reason. I had a, um, 
what's called a pick line, which is an, an intravenous um, cannula, which is inserted into the upper part of your bicep. Um, and it goes all the way into your heart. And um, you, you can't do any repetitive movements because you can accidentally tap the other end of it into your heart. You can cause an, an arrhythmia um, or absolute worst case, you can cause a heart attack. So you mustn't do anything that causes a repetitive motion like, um, like, like lifting weights, actually. Um, so what I kind of thought was, what, what could I do? Um, I've always been a lifetime cyclist. I, so I have a road bike and I have a turbo trainer. And um, I said to my partner, you know, however shit I look, <laughs> and it's going to be bad, we know that, and however shit I feel, I was like, you just, you just get my ass on that bike. Just get it on my that bike. Because I'd read all of these different medical journals about um, how, and, and these are very credible. This is all sort of from like the National um, Cancer Institute, Cancer Research, and um, the Journal of Clinical Oncology. And they all, so many trials have been done that all have the same conclusion, which is people who exercise during chemotherapy um, have fewer side effects. And I was so keen to try and take benefit of that that I thought just, you know, just stick me on. And sure enough, the day came two days after my first chemotherapy and I'm sort of lying there looking quite ghostly. And my partner's like, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry, Becky, you told me to do this. <laughs> Get on the mic. Like, he was like, the bike is set up. And I was like, okay. And it was, I mean, the first like 10 minutes, I was like, oh, good God, what, what have I asked him to do? But actually, funnily enough, every day got easier. Every day got easier. And uh, the fatigue... It comes a mental habit is part of that, do you think? Because you're used to feeling shit and you just thought, I was getting on with this now. Like, just... Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an adjustment. You definitely adjust to chemo. Like, you get used to feeling crud. Um, but actually, also, I found that I was able to go for longer. As, as, as I was going through chemo, actually, I was managing to do, like, um, longer sessions. I was doing some HIIT training. So twice a week, I'd try and do HIIT training. <laughs> Um, sorry, I hear that now, and I think that's a really stupid idea. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and um, I could do a bit of plyometric. So actually, after the bike, I have a box at home, and so I do all kinds of like jumping patterns and things like that. And um, I, I felt okay. And so then every day, I'd take my dogs out for walks. So I was staying really active. And actually, sure enough, sort of the two or three worst side effects of chemo um, just never affected me. I, I'd never got really at all um and maybe you could argue that was just my biological disposition i don't know some people don't get them and i'm not claiming that i know the answer to that medically you know all i know is that from a psychological perspective and seemingly also a physical one doing that really kept me sane um and it, it kept me going you know you're not losing this battle you're still in the game here you know, and you're not giving up. And I, you know, I did have some days where I had those thoughts where you just thought, oh, fuck it. I just can't be asked. This is, this is hard and it's getting harder. Um, but actually, you know, keeping going was very, very important to me. And then as soon as I was getting to the end of that chemo, I was thinking, okay, well, I've, I've kept something ticking over with cycling, but I need to, I need to push this further now. I need, I need to start looking better again and feeling, I think strong was very, the strength was a very important thing to me because I felt weak and I've never really felt, I've never been someone who's felt particularly weak. <laughs> so that was was not, there a particular trigger point for you, which made you think like, I need to, I need to do something about this. 
Well, do you know what? It was such a shame that my knee blew out. Uh, and that, that happened about four weeks before the end of my chemo. And when that happened, that was probably the only point that I'd say I had a real low point. Actually, I had three or f- probably about two, no, it's probably about two or three days. I was super upset because I couldn't really get on my bike anymore. My knee was the size of a watermelon. Um, and I'd done a huge cartilage tear. Do you know, and I, the way I did it, actually thinking about it now, that was really stupid as well, because I was playing a squash match. <laughs> and I probably, on reflection, shouldn't have gone and played a game of squash at that point in time. Um, but actually that, to me, was quite a wake-up call, because I thought, okay, well, my knee stability is obviously pretty crap from where I've had this previous um, surgery. Uh, I, I'm looking weak, I'm feeling weak. Um, I've got to do something. And as I said, the advice that, I, that I'd got was all so gentle. And that works for some people, then great. And actually, if that works for you, do it. I, that's what I'd say. But if, like me, you're someone that sat there going, do you know, I don't feel great about myself right now. And I actually need something a bit more. And I may not be able to do 100%. I might not be able to give the energy that I did when I was 25 because I'm now a 37-year-old woman with a toddler and who's still a cancer patient. So I, I don't have that level to give anymore. Right, well, not right now, anymore beside right now. Um, and I had a friend, of course, who was a client of yours. So I knew you were real. I did Sorry, know you were Chris Winters. <laughs> I messaged him today when he checked in saying that uh, we were doing <laughs> Um, yeah, and he he just looked great, and actually he had lost a load of his weight before his wedding. Yeah, I think he and lost I, twenty kilos, I think. Yeah, I've oh, got amazing amount, amazing amount. And by the way, I never thought he had it to lose. I've known him obviously through my he knows he's known my partner for years, and um, I've always known him and always thought he looked just fit and in shape. And uh, he kept saying that no, he had loads of weight to lose, and I was thinking no, you don't. And then suddenly he lost twenty kilos, and I thought okay, you had a bit of weight to lose. <laughs> That's a lot of weight. He lost tons, but he looked fantastic. And actually, it was my first couple of weeks of chemo. He he came over um, and I sort of said to him, what what, what would you think if I tried to do this? And he went, he was just like, do it, do it. Like, you could totally do it. It's not a problem. But but you're Um, so amazing about that. So many people would probably tell you not to, and like the reasons why, like, oh, you need to rest, all these things. Like like someone saying that to you and giving you the belief. Yeah positive uh, attitude and positive energy to put into the world because that's inspired you basically to, again, as I said, to like take control of the situation. Whereas so yeah, like, pooed pooed that almost. It's the thing, and I'd been looking for something and I, I was talking to him about it and things I just knew he'd done something and he'd got really good results, which is always just the best endorsement for anything you're thinking yeah. of doing. Um, so yeah, I just, um, that's when I think I, I sort of emailed you and said, look, I'm in a bit of an unusual position, what do you think? And you were just super enthusiastic and really like, great, you know. And I think your email said to me something like, oh, well, after the year you've had, this is going to be like a piece of piss. Or t- <laughs> I, I did that as well. It's one of those things when I sent it, I was like, I'm either going to come across like a complete sweat or like, I <laughs> no, I loved it. I was, I was really kind of like, okay, this is probably not true because I mean, I you like, I'd seen the pictures of you and stuff and I thought, mm, this probably isn't going to be, this probably isn't going to be a doddle because this looks really hard. Um, <laughs> I thought, but let's, you know, let's give it a go and see where we get to. Um, and I just, I think it just suited me down to the ground. It suited the type of training I like doing. It suited, um, 
the, yeah, the type of gym work. It had the variation. It had not just doing the same thing every single day. Um, yeah, so it, it, I think the diet was more challenging to me, but just because of my many ailments, <laughs> I think. But um, other than that, I think I got along with it really well, to tell you the truth. Um, and interestingly, since seeing... Uh, every, I've seen every single one of my oncology team in the last six weeks and um, every single one of them I've said to oh well I, has said to me oh you look like you've lost quite a bit of weight and it's the, th- the thing is I don't want to be really um, this is a really probably quite an insensitive thing to say but when you're a cancer patient and you lose weight people get really worried about you <laughs> because it can be a sign that you're incredibly ill um, so they're a bit like oh well, what are you doing and I said no 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 I've been doing this program and every single one of them has said to me since then brilliant that's exactly what you should be doing awesome and I said well why didn't anyone say that to me before and they said and they sort of say well we've got to be quite gentle with people because we don't want to make people feel under pressure and we don't want to make people feel as if they're sort of failing because they're not doing that at this amazingly difficult respectfully but do you not think that's the time you almost need to be Obviously, people are there. I, I can never understand. I've never been through it, but like people are obviously going through a challenging time. But you need to be putting pressure on people for their own good. It's like, like people want the answer. Yeah. Do you know? It's, it, it, it's so interesting that we're having this conversation now because I, I just read so three days ago, um, there was one of the largest studies published, um, and it was in the Journal of Clinical Oncology. And it was a, a, a study that was following just over 750,000 people for just over 10 years. And um, what they were looking at was solely the impact of exercise. Um, over seven hours of exercise a week on 15 different types of cancer. And they followed 10 people. And in that cohort, there was 55,000 instances of cancer arising. Um, And what they found was in, in seven different types of cancer, really prevalent types of cancer, breast cancer included, but there was also myeloma, which is blood cancer, non Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, kidney, liver. Um, and in those, in the seven, ca- in seven cancers, they found there was an enormous reduction in the development of cancer if you exercised. Um, and the percentages they found were actually staggering. I mean, the one that stuck in my head was, was liver cancer because it was, it was between 18 and 27% reduction in liver cancer from exercise. And isn't it for not? I mean, breast cancer is one of the lower ones, actually. It was six to 10%. Uh, but 10%, I mean, that's, that's huge. 10 in 100 people, you know? Um, and actually, um, those, those statistics, not the ones I've just listed there, but those sorts of statistical impacts um, also apply to recurrences in people who have already had cancer. So people like me. So therefore, um, if you sit in that situation, if someone who's had cancer, it's even more important you stay fit. Exactly. To me, I think it's no different to submitting to any other course of treatment or, you know, or getting a flu jab or getting a, you know, it's like one of those things you, you're actively doing something to stop something from coming back, which is really potentially life-threatening. It's really life-threatening. And again, it comes back to you as the individual taking control of the situation because that's a variable you can control by taking a conscious decision yeah. to exercise look after yourself. Yeah, I mean, and this, that's totally the thing. I mean, there's stuff that I can't control. Um, my my cancer is actually presumed to be genetic, um, which means I have some sort of defective uh, gene, which increases my likelihood of de- developing uh, breast cancer. And um, in, my, in my case, that would mean, um, 
there may be a bit less of an impact. But that being said, there still will be an impact of doing exercise and the reduction of recurrence. Um, and secondarily to that is actually the fact that, you know, if it does come back, it's most likely to come back two years after the initial diagnosis. So when they come back, they tend to come back really fast. Certainly my type of cancer does. Um, and actually, if it does, and I have to go through what would be probably a more aggressive chemo, uh, and so more aggressive treatment, don't you want to start that match fit? Yeah. I want, I want to start it match fit. You know, because I've, I, I, I've got a daughter to fight for, and I've got a family to fight for, and I have a life to fight for. Um, and I would not want to have to go into a second round of that still withered from the first one. Um, so that's, an, that's, that's a big reason why it's very important to me. No, I'm certain. I imagine ever, every day since you found out, you probably looked upon the world in a different way. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, you definitely do. You definitely do. I think um, I don't tend to get, I mean, I don't get stressed about a lot of things that don't really matter. That's definitely... It probably gives definitely. you a lot more context, I imagine, in, in terms of what, what, what a challenge yeah. was there probably. It, yeah, it is. And yet, do you know what? The other day, I still got annoyed when I opened an avocado and it was shit. <laughs> I, I, and I thought, I thought, oh, that's why the is first that world most... problem. That's an only. <laughs> I literally was like, it's the most awful first world middle class problem to have my shit avocado. Um, and yet, it was it was so deeply disappointing in that moment. Um, but <clears throat> I definitely do. I definitely do look at the world in a different way. I think um, you appreciate things more. You appreciate your health more. You appreciate what you can do more. Um, you realise things that aren't important and really, really don't matter and let things go. And, you know, your late train or your delayed, whatever it is, or, you know, some of your furniture getting a mark on it or whatever other thing that would normally really irritate you, um, you kind of go, meh, no one's dying. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, so I think, which I actually think is a great thing of cancer. <laughs> it's just, I don't, I mean, I'm not advocating anyone get it for perspective, but um, it does give you perspective and it is a great, great way to look at the world. Do you think it's changed you? Um, As a yes. Yes and no. Yes, and I think the, the thing I said about perspective is definitely a bit different. I think that probably I cherish my relationships a little bit more than I did. And I think I probably have a slightly softer view on certain things that I didn't have before. I think that's probably the case. Um, I think when it comes to the sort of things that we were talking about, you know, gymming, and I think it's changed my definition of a bad day. And it's changed things like that. Um, has it changed me as a person? No. Other than that, I, probably not. I think that one of the things I was that was very important to me. Um, I don't know how this is going to sound because I'm not sure if I've ever said this out loud. But at the beginning of the process, I sort of sat with myself, <laughs> and I thought, I don't, I don't know why this was the case, but it was important to me that when I got to the end of my treatment and I got to the point of being cancer-free and I was always very confident that I would do, um, I wanted to be proud of how I'd done it. I, I wanted to feel proud of how I, I dealt with it because, I, because, because to me... Well, you've like already hold been, your head high through it almost. Yeah, because 
to me, you've already been told you've got cancer. So that's a done. That's a done. You can't take that off the table. You can't go back. You can't change it. You can't do anything different in your life that's done. But to me, the only thing that would make being diagnosed with cancer worse is being so fucking miserable about being diagnosed with cancer. (laughs) That seemed like the only thing that could make it worse, like just being fucking miserable about it. Why me? Why did this happen to me? Um, why couldn't it have not happened to me? Why is my life like this? Why, 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 why? Oh, this is awful. Oh, woe is me. Please feel sorry for me. All this kind of stuff. I just thought, oh my God, that just feels like, that just feels like the human I don't want to be. And I don't want anyone to talk to me like I'm that. And I don't want anyone to look at me like I'm that. And I don't want anyone to um, see me as that person. Um, So... I thought how, just it's important to me to do this in a way that's just positive. But, you know, and I actually, you, you probably haven't seen this because I don't think we're connected on Facebook. Um, I did actually see you pop up earlier. I'll add you afterwards. It came up as such <laughs> So I, because the thing is that, you know, a lot of people, they, get cancer, they sort of do a blog or something like that, which is great. And I think people find it really cathartic. Um, I didn't really want to do that. Um, and I also didn't, I didn't really want to have to always inform people face to face. You'd be surprised. There's, I, I call it the cancer face. So you I tell can, somebody. I can but, imagine that's a hot, like, because this is a completely different sort of thing to compare it to. But like, when you were at work, or you're working in office and you go on holiday and you come back and every fucking person asks you, how was your holiday? You just like, yeah. like yeah. I can imagine it's, it's a similar thing with that. Like, you don't exactly the same, exactly the same, but with a face of pity. <laughs> it's just, and it, it was driving me mad because every time I told somebody I'd get that same face and that same, I thought, fucking hell, I actually, this is almost worse than having cancer. Um, so I, I did a post, which I put on Facebook and I just thought, I went, right, everyone, I've got cancer and this, this is what it is and this is what I'm dealing with. And that in itself was quite lighthearted. Uh, and it sort of said on it, please don't put teary fucking emojis on the bottom of this because that's just about to make me jump off a cliff. <laughs> and um, then... Each week I was going to chemo, I thought, actually, there's a lot of things about this situation which are fairly entertaining. Um, But I do have quite a dark sense of humour. And I was finding things genuinely fairly funny about some of the processes and things. So what I started doing is I just sort of started writing some weekly thoughts, kind of diarising going to chemo. Uh, But it was only things that were quite funny about the process of doing it. Um, and it just got such a great reaction. And I, what was really nice is people started sending me messages that would never have sent me a message because it felt approachable because they found it funny. So they were writing me messages going, oh God, I can't believe I'm writing you this message. I, lo- I don't really come onto Facebook, but I just log on to read these diary inserts that you do because they make me crack up and I'm feeling a lot of guilt about finding this funny. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, no, they you know, I put them up there to to be entertaining because there's things in this that are quite funny. Um, and that actually really was really good for me because it, it changed me from being something that everybody was feeling sorry for to something that everybody was laughing with about the situation. <laughs> I'm not sure how this is going to come across an audio. It sounds really dark. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's based straight up. It's the truth. And this is, this is what people want to hear and they'd want to know because you haven't been through that and anyone else who's going through it now, he probably doesn't have anyone to talk to or listen to. Like you're a, a shining light of how you've dealt with the situation and will probably give a lot of people hope with, that they can do the same and follow suit. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess the message that I've got is, is 
you know, cancer is scary and you get diagnosed with cancer and it, you know, it it sends a kind of shockwave through you. Um, But it isn't the end. It isn't the end for a lot of people. I know it is for some and I've lost that some myself and it's incredibly sad when that happens, but it doesn't always mean that. Um, And actually it doesn't mean that you're, you know, air quote, a sick person. And it doesn't mean also that you did something to get it, that you did something wrong um, to get it or that you deserved it or that there's something, you know, one in two people gets it now. You know, at the end of the day, you know, lots of us will be facing cancer at some point in our life. And actually you can, you can um, fight back during treatment and after treatment um, and you can move and you can try and you can just do the best that you can do on any day. Uh, and if you do that, then you're doing really fucking well. 100%. And, that, and that's the only attitude you can have with everything in life is do the best you can do that given moment, that given opportunity and how you feel yeah. on that day, rather than worrying about you could do better if that makes sense. Deep down, you know if you're giving something your all. Yeah, and I definitely, I'm, all, I'm really cautious because I, I certainly, I, and I don't know anyone who might listen to this and I wouldn't want to make anybody feel like they've dealt with it in a different way and therefore there's, it's sort of suboptimal or anything like that. That's not what I mean at all. I think what I would say that I've learned from the journey that I've been on is uh, firstly that positivity helped me immeasurably immeasurably like um it definitely kept me afloat and i and it kept i think the the people around me afloat uh i think laughter did something very similar (laughs) laughing about it and just trying to see the humor where you could do was really really helpful um and the other one would be if you can move if you can exercise do it do it um I think that it was so good for me. And I think if there was anyone listening to this and they were considering doing a program like yours, and I can imagine what they'd be feeling actually, because I know how I felt, which was, you know, not, and this is no discredit to you, by the way, Charlie, I'm just giving you a kind of. I won't say it personally. No, please don't, please don't, because it's not, it's not, it's not meant um, in a negative way. Is that when you're in, we're in my position, you know, and you're wearing labels such as mom, uh, cancer patient, bit out of shape now, um, and you're looking at sort of pictures and images on Facebook pages and uh, you know Twitter or Instagram, and it's these like supremely fit people. Like I mean, your physique, Charlie, you know, and the people that you chose, like they're supremely fit. And you're looking at that, and you might kind of look at you and then look at that and kind of go, well, I, d- I don't know about this. This might not be a good idea. This might be too much. Yeah you know, you can compare and you can think, well, this is obviously for that person. This is obviously for that type of person. This isn't for someone with the label cancer patient, mum. And actually, it could be cancer patient. It could be any kind of illness, injury, whatever. You know, as I said, I also had knee injury. It might be someone with a back problem or with any other form of thing that they're just having to manage. And they're looking at that and going, well, maybe that's a bit extreme. My view would be, give it a go give it a go because actually you can't fail. You can't fail. Well, as soon as you start, um, you've already won. Yeah. I mean, it, even, even, even try it, just, just try it. And even if you say, okay, well, you know, I'm meant to be doing five sessions a week or four sessions a week, whatever, and I'm managing two, or I'm not managing to do quite all of the cardio I'm meant to be doing or whatever it is. Or sometimes I fall off the diet because I've got norovirus. <laughs> 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 like, 
but give it a go because actually what you will find out is what you, what you can do so don't focus on what you can't do focus on what you can do and build from there and build from there and you know the thing is if it needs tailoring you know you tailor it that's what you do that's what you're there for isn't it Charlie? you tailor so you know you can change things up and work around the issues and so as as they present themselves and um why not do that why not try why not try because then at least you always knew you tried exactly it's better to try and fail than have tried to all like too many too many people in life i think there's respect to what human says with cancer, but like die wondering what if, what if I had done the, gone the trip that I wanted to go on? What if I had changed my career and did what I wanted to do? Like you only get one opportunity. So yeah. take action with anything you want to do. Cause you never know when your last moment could be like, you could. that's the thing. That's the thing. And I've, you know, I've still, I've had quite a few people say to me, do you think you should be doing that? Or, um, how, or how does that make you feel when people say, <laughs> when people say like, it reminds me of like when I was younger, people would be like, why are you eating like this? Why are you trying to lose weight? Why, like, like respectfully, I hope she's not listening to this. My mum was probably the worst for it. Like, she, <laughs> and it actually drive me And I was like, <laughs> and it's, it's a difficult thing. I would yeah. say you're very similar to me, a type A personality. You are very driven that you don't probably like being told what to do necessarily. So like, for me, as soon as someone tells me what to do, I guess my back up massively. <laughs> and I just want to go and do even more then. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I'm, and actually, I think, well, do you know what? When people say it to me, when people go, well, should you be doing that? Today? I mean, I always have the same thought process and I always have the same response. And it's like, well, why not? Yeah. Give me a reason why not. Give me a reason why not. If I'm, I tell you what, if I'm going there every day and I'm doing that, I mean, and the problems I had throughout my doing the book were mainly to do with illnesses and diet, to be honest. I, don't, I think training session wise, I was 90%, 95% there. Um, you know, if I'm managing to do that and I don't feel like shit and I'm feeling better each week and I'm feeling stronger, what is it that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing? What is it? I mean, I, I, other than a sort of societal perception that because, you know, technically I'm still a cancer patient, that I should sort of maybe be sort of wrapped in bubble wrap and cotton wool and just lie down on the sofa and binge watch Netflix. Like, what is the reason? Um, and actually, interestingly, I had to go into hospital last week um, because I <laughs> had a really weird swelling. We can all guess where, based on my cancer. <laughs> but I, um, I went in because I thought maybe I had a mild lymphedema and I had to get checked out, which is where when you've had some of your lymph nodes removed, um, you can get lymphedema like in your arm or your boob or whatever. So I go in to get checked out and the um, surgeon I saw, who was great, he checked me out and then he went, you don't, it's not lymphedema. Um, and he was like, what have you been doing? And I said, well, I've been doing quite a lot of weights. And he said, oh, are you doing chest and arm and that sort of thing? And I went, yeah. Um, and he went, oh, I think you've just, you've aggravated or just around your um, surgery site. So what you've just done is you've caused a bit of stretching of the scar tissue and done that. And so you've got a bit of swelling around it. And I sort of said, oh, okay. And I was thinking, oh shit, he's about to tell me I need to not do something. I've got, and I sort of said to him, well, do, what, what, what does that mean? And he went, it doesn't mean anything. And I went, what do, are you saying that I need to sort of relax a bit on this or do that? And he went, no, not at all. He was like, take ibuprofen for a day and then just carry on. <laughs> and I was like, well, like you, you will lose the elasticity in that area if you leave it and yeah. lock up. So like, this is the same thing when people break their arm or something, it's stuck in a car, so you don't move. Yeah. You need to get your body moving again as soon as possible to get this like flexibility, not just within the joints, but then the skin, like, 
everything to move around as it should do. Otherwise, that will never come back if you leave it too long. And he said the same thing to me. He said, look, I mean, the thing is you've had... Um, so, so when they di- when they take your lymph nodes out, they take them out your armpit. Yeah. So you have kind of a surgery to move um, either a mastectomy or a lumpectomy. So your lump from your boob, and then they take your lymph nodes out of your armpit. And um, so you get a kind of tightening around like your pec and into oh, your armpit yeah. that, that goes into like your arm extension and putting your arm over your head and things like that. And um, so I, I sort of said to him, well, my thought process was this would be good for sort of stretching and strengthening the area and he sort of said to me absolutely he was like keep doing it just keep doing it he said look loads of people that have this surgery end up massively losing the um the flexibility in and around that shoulder and joint and armpit because they just have their arm by their side all the time and it just goes and where the lymph nodes has come out tightens particularly and he was like you're not doing any damage he said if anything the aggravation is probably what needs to happen in order to keep flexibility and he was like, so just don't worry about it too much. He said, if it's painful, don't do it. And, but it was never painful. But he said, if it was painful, don't do it. But otherwise, carry on. So um, they were actually super supportive. Once they knew what I was doing, they were incredibly supportive. They just won't tell you to do it, <laughs> which is the kind of... Frustrate you a bit a little bit. Won't yeah, the kind of... You mentioned the guidance first, but their hands are tied a little bit, I guess. I think it is. I think it is. And actually, I think, you know, the powers that be in the NHS, which, you know, God bless, is a wonderful organisation. I think, um, you know, they are under quite strict rules in terms of how they interact with people and what they tell people to do. And and, um, and also, one thing that's interesting, there is a bit of a, I think, a nervousness to tell people if they haven't been exercising before, to suddenly start exercising. Um, although I don't know if you saw this, Charlie, there was a really interesting news article last week that there's three major cities that are trialling. Um, as soon as someone has a cancer diagnosis, they're putting them into an intensive exercise programme. And literally it starts the days after they're diagnosed with cancer. Um, and that's just because all of, the, all of the evidence is all just pointing in one direction. It's not a little bit here and a little bit there. It's all pointing in the same direction about recurrences, um, stopping the spreads of cancer, the psychological impact of doing exercise while you've had a cancer. I mean, you know, and, and I think, you know, the world is catching up with what has been shown now probably for, for the last decade or so. 100%. so we'll start to wrap things up there because we're going to... Yeah, sure. got a, two questions I want to ask you. So one obviously is very inspiring what you've done so far. What are your goals for 2020? Okay, well, I mean, I want to keep building. I feel like this first period that I had with you was, let's work out if I can do this. Sure. Uh, let's do as much as we can. Let's see, you know, uh, how my body does and how my immune system does. We're going into springtime now. Flu season is sort of starting to go behind us. Um, so illnesses should be easier. I'm also getting less things happening, which is really good. Um, so I, I just want to get fitter, stronger. I want to lose the bit of fat that I've got left to go uh, that I put on through the baby and chemo process. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm just really looking forward to that. I, th- I think I can go harder now because yeah. I've tested boundaries more. It's one of those things you've pushed yourself so well when you had difficult circumstances. Now these circumstances are leaving, like it's an open playing field to what you can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel, I actually feel really, really excited Good. about what I can do. And that's part of the thing like, like people that I get, I try to explain to people with like fitness and health in general. It's like, it's not even about 
the training or necessarily results, having something mentally to work towards to even get you out of bed to a degree. Not like that should be the only focus in life is to go to the gym, but it gives you something else to be progressive about in your mindset, which will carry yeah. over the aspects of your life. Yeah, and do you know what ties into that actually? So my partner who's super fit, I mean, he's, he's one of those people that's really upsettingly and slightly annoyingly fit. Um, but he, um, it's actually really nice because we always used to train together. Then we had a period where we didn't. Um, and now we are again really quickly. Um, and actually, it's nice that you're back to doing the things you do together that aren't cancer. <laughs> it's like, it's mentally, for both of us actually, it takes us to a different place, which is really nice. I, mean, I still remember you used to tell me about one of the workouts you did with him uh, recently, which I think you destroyed him on. Oh, was... yeah. Oh, it, it was brilliant. And it's it really about public on it now. It was really, I, I know, but it was really satisfying because he, he's by so much fitter than I am. And he's, he's, always, he's always the fittest person in every room. He's always run faster, jump higher, lift more. It's so annoying. And um, I, he wasn't sure what to do because he had a few injuries on his legs. And he was, oh, sorry, in his lower back. And he's like, oh, I want to do a really good leg session, but I'm a bit out of this. And I went, oh. I've got a great leg session, one of Charlie's leg sessions. I took him through this leg session and I shit you not, he could barely walk for three days. <laughs> it was so satisfying. That's bad. Awesome. <laughs> it was brilliant. That's awesome. Um, final question to, to wrap up the podcast. What would be your piece of advice for anyone going through something similar to you've been through? Um, my advice would be... Um, if you're thinking about doing something like the program that I did with Charlie or any you know, form of exercise that you're thinking of branching out and doing that you're really tempted to do, that want to do, do, but you have reservations and nervousness and you wear the labels like I did, be it mum, dad, cancer patient, something or other, um, just do it. Just do it. Just try. You actually can't fail. Because all you can actually do, if you're doing nothing today or very little today, um, even if you only manage one session a week or two sessions a week, even if you do 20% on the diet, then actually you're still way succeeding over what you would do if you just didn't do it. And by being the person who tries, you may find that bit of fire and that bit of spark where you can be really proud of yourself again. That's, that's an amazing piece of advice. Um, thank you so much for this. It's been a truly inspiring conversation. I know it will give a lot of light and I think hope to a lot of people. Maybe you're going through this who need some direction and maybe some an external person to hear their point of view of how everyone through it. So I appreciate the conversation so much. I'm sure loads of people will absolutely love it. If anyone hasn't has really enjoyed this, please uh, drop me a message, leave a five-star review on the podcast. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are because I know that means a huge amount to Becky and also to myself. And I'm excited to see what we can do for the rest of the year working together. Yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope, um, yeah, I hope there's something that even if just one person listens to this and, you know, finds it interesting or decides to do something different in a positive way, then that would be enough for me. That'd be great. So thank you very much for inviting me. Pleasure, pleasure. Thank you so much.